What's good, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Living Single with Yana Janae. Yo, it's been a long time since I left you without some dope thoughts to think to, think to, think to, think to, hey, think to, think to, think to. Yeah, um, I really apologize about that. <laughs> but nah, it has been a while. Um, I've missed you, and I really look forward to, in this episode, sharing with you a little bit about where I've been, what I've been up to, and then also where we are going as we enter into the second half of season two, um, where we're having a conversation about sex, sexuality, and singleness. But before we jump into to that, I want to welcome anybody who is a new listener. Maybe this is your first time listening to the Living Single with Yana Janae podcast. Maybe you jumped in, you know, somewhere around the holidays because you heard we were having some holiday discussions. Um, and so, yeah, if you've been listening for a long time or if you're just joining us for the first time, I want to welcome you. Um, once again, this is a podcast about singleness. It's not a podcast about dating or how to prepare for marriage or even how to find your P31 or your Boaz. Like this is a podcast about singleness and how do we live single? Uh, I know for me, a, for a long time in my life, I was waiting single. I was thirsty single. <laughs> I was mad single, confused single. I was all the kinds of single. Um, but I wasn't living single. I was in a, in some kind of holding pattern where I was like waiting for my life to start. And that was because I had been fed so many narratives about love, singleness and marriage. And some of those were inside the church and some of those were outside the church. And because of that, like, yo, your girl was feeling miserable and undesirable and high key, low key (laughs) depressed And it's possible that you are feeling some of those same feelings as you're walking through your singleness, that you grew up uh, hearing certain messages and narratives about love and about singleness and marriage. And because of that, you are struggling with discontent. Yeah, sure, you have a desire for marriage, but if you were to stop and think about it, uh, much of how you're feeling could be the result of some of the social norms and the, you know, social expectations, familial expectations around you. And so in each one of these episodes uh, from season one all the way until now, it's been my intention to just share a little bit of, of kind of like my own story, my own process, and even some of the things that I've discovered along the way, you know, um, addressing some of these untrue narratives that I've learned growing up um, and hopefully it creates space for you to address those things for yourself. Another thing that I just kind of hope for as I share my own musing and my own discoveries in this journey is that you would know without a shadow of a doubt that you are not alone. I know that as many of you have emailed me or messaged me, um, it has been so encouraging to me because it's let me know that I'm not alone, (laughs) that the feelings that I'm feeling are real and true and human. And so when someone says, you know, Yana, you put words to what 
I'm feeling or Yana, man, me and my, my friends were just talking about this. Like that encourages me because it lets me know like, yo, I'm not alone with that. I'm wrestling with the same questions and feelings that other people are wrestling with. And I hope that through this podcast, you would feel the same way as I share, you know, my own struggles and concerns and feelings. And even as I invite my friends to do this. But as I think about sort of like what is the overarching goal or desire for this podcast, this isn't just for me to have something to do. <laughs> like podcasting is is a lot of of work. But my prayer is that we, emphasis on we, that we would change the narrative about singleness. I remember when uh, Dr. Anita sat me down and was like, yo, I think you need to do something on singleness. It seems like you're talking about this in a way that nobody else is talking about it. Um, when she encouraged me to do that, I was like, yo, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know if, if I'm that girl. Um, but when I sat down to think about it, I was like, yo, Lord, I would love it. I would very much love it if you raised up a generation of singles. Yeah, I know that sounds real dramatic, but like seriously, like he would raise up a generation of singles who are living single, who have raised the bar in terms of what they can experience in their singleness from contentment to celebration, right? Because Paul says that it's a gift, right? And if it's a gift, then it's something to be enjoyed. It's something to be celebrated. And so this podcast is not just an invitation for you to listen, but it's an invitation for you to help start a movement, you know, to help start a movement of not thirsty singles who are committed to God's glory being displayed in their relationship status by fully living single. And once again, emphasis on we. This isn't something that I can do by myself. It's not something that just me and my friends can do, but it's something that we get to all do together, right? We all can identify maybe things that we've heard growing up in the church or just listening to music or listening, you know, or watching movies, things that have have been entertaining in the moment or that gave us warm, fuzzy feelings in the moment. But then as life started to get real, it was like, yo, this stuff is not adding up, right? And that some of the things that we learned were, you know, uh, a miseducation and and the things that it taught us were harmful. And so my desire is like, yo, that we would change the narrative so that people wouldn't have to struggle <laughs> the way that we struggled. And so this is one of the reasons why the podcast is listener supported. Like I want to know who's with me, who's rocking with me. And sure, you know, I don't want to have the episode cluttered with ads and those kinds of things, but it's, it's, it's more so out of a desire to invite people to be a part of the story that is being narrated or told through this podcast man I love it when someone says like yo Yana like me and my friends we got together and we discussed the podcast episode right and or hey Yana I had some women at my house my friend told me this she had some women at her house and they were struggling and and whatnot and she's like yo I'm I'm married so I don't quite know how to best serve them and so she share with them something that I had wrote on singleness and through that, like was able to curate a conversation like, yeah, I want these podcasts. I want really anything that I do to be a conversation starter, a conversation uh, starter for you and the Lord and also with others. And so together we get to change the narrative. And so if you've been listening for a while or if 
you are listening for the first time and at the end of this episode, you feel connected to what we're doing here, I want to invite you to support the podcast, to help the podcast happen um, by jumping over to Patreon and becoming a subscriber. Not only do you help to keep the podcast going, but you also will get access to exclusive conversations and opportunities depending on what tier you join. And one of my favorite resources that we offer to our subscribers is what I like to call the Selah Guide. Selah simply means to pause and think, right? So I'm always interested in what are we going to do after the conversation? How are we going to respond to what we just heard? My pastor, like, just <laughs> made a joke about me because he's like, yo, when I'm preaching my sermons, I'm thinking about you because I know that you're going to be like, yo, so what's the next step, bro? Like, what do we do next? <laughs> right. And that's what the sailor guide is for. It invites you to pause and to think and to reflect and then to consider how God is calling you to, pre- to respond. Like, yo, is there a lie that you need to uh, omit from your life? You know, is there a truth that you need to accept? Is there a, uh, a, uh, a behavior or a habit that you need to take on? Like how is God calling you to obey him in this moment? And then also in these Selah guides, we provide you with some discussion questions so that you and your friends can think and pause together. And so if you're interested in supporting the podcast, if the podcast has been any sense or any source of encouragement for you, like I would love it if you jumped over to Patreon to support the podcast, to support the work that we're doing here to help Christians live single. Now, for those of you who've been rocking with me for a good minute supporting the podcast, I just want to say thank you. Thank you because you have made so many of the conversations that we have possible, including the one that we're going to have today. And so you may have noticed that today's episode is titled Selah. Um, and I, as I said before, Selah means to pause and to think. And for the first quarter of the year, like that's what I've been doing. I've been Selahing. <laughs> I've been pausing and thinking, uh, pausing to take a break from a lot of the overfunctioning that I've been doing over the last few years. Like I sat down with the Lord in, uh, what was it, November? I got a uh, got in one of those little tiny houses and it was just me and the Lord you know, no phone, no music, just me, silence, and God for like four days. And y'all, it was the best <laughs> four days that I had that year. <laughs> um, even though, um, you know, I was a little nervous about being by myself for that long, I really needed it. I really needed it. And during that time, the Lord said very clearly to me, like, Yana, for these past five years, you have trained yourself to be busy. That five-year mark is like my second to last year of seminary when I was in school full-time, I had a full-time job, and then I was writing uh, part-time. And I just said, had started to just say yes to all of these things. And so the Lord was like, yo, Yana, like for the past five years, you have literally trained your body to be busy. Friends, immediately. I was overwhelmed. (laughs) I felt convicted, sad. But before I could like spiral into that like self-loathing condemnation that we all tend to do, I really sense God speak to me and say like, 
yeah, you have been training yourself to be busy. But the good thing is, is that if you train yourself to be busy, you can also train yourself to be unbusy. And so in this season, I sense that the Lord has been inviting me into uh, a time of slowing, you know, a time of abandoning my over-functioning ways and learning how to be still, learning how to rest, learning how to slow down. And y'all will be completely honest with y'all. This has been hard. <laughs> this has been so hard. And in a lot of ways, I've been experiencing a bit of an identity crisis as I've come to discover that I have been putting my identity in so many other things than Christ. And I've been clueless about this. One of the epiphanies that I've had about myself is like, yo, I'm a perfectionist. I would have never said that. I would have never said that I was a perfectionist. But that was what was coming out, right? That in my over, in my over-functioning, it was because I was trying to be perfect. Now that I'm not over-functioning, it's been really troubling for me, really hard for me to, to not get to finish things without them being where I want them to be. But to be able to say, hey, this is all the time that I can give to this and I'm just going to have to walk away. And one of the things that has really brought this up for me is like practicing the Sabbath and stopping work at five. And as I've done that, I've, you know, have felt lost, (laughs) confused, and even mildly depressed, right? Like, here it is. I'm sitting on a couch at 5 p.m. And I'm like, yo, what am I, what am I supposed to do with myself, right? I didn't, I already did my, my time with Jesus. I didn't, did my work for the day. I, I did my, my, my workout, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like what, what else is there to do? And usually what I would do is I would continue to do more work or I would pick up a book that had something to do with something else that I was doing. Like I wasn't really resting. And on Saturday, this, this past weekend, when I took a full Sabbath, like I was like experiencing like a low grade of depression. And it's because I've been finding my identity in productivity and getting things done. And so, y'all, it's been, it's been wild. <laughs> it's been wild. Um, and in my conversation with my counselor, she was like, yo, Yana, it seems like you've said a lot of courageous yeses over the past few years. And I'm just wondering what it looks like to say a courageous no. Yeah, she said that to me in our first session. <laughs> and so that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. I've been pausing to think about these things, learning how to move slowly. Um, And in this space, what I've realized is that like God is pruning me. He is pruning me like to to stop moving so fast and to stop doing so much and to abandon like over functioning has really created space for God to speak to me and even show me parts of myself that I wouldn't otherwise see if I didn't slow down. And so that's been, that's been part of the hiatus, like just slowing down and taking stock and allowing God to do work in me. The other part of that is like, yo, I've been processing a lot of the conversations that we've had this past season about sex, sexuality, and singleness. And y'all, I did not expect this like season to go so long. <laughs> like I just did not expect it to go so long. I was like, oh, we'll just have one thing about that and one thing about that. But over time, I'm just realizing like that brevity is probably not the best 
route to take when we're having a conversation about something that has come to matter so much to humans over the last, I don't know, century or a few centuries, really since the beginning of time, right? That that sex and sexuality have been sort of these uh, experience, experiences that kind of have a stronghold on, on people's lives, my life included. Like, I put myself in that number. Um, in a episode coming up, I'll be talking to one of the uh, – one of our guests, um, Brother Sam Albury, y'all, I'm so excited about the episode. But in that, we I asked him the question, like, yo, when did when did sex, <laughs> you know, uh, move up the food train chain? And now it's kind of this this human necessity, like that we can't live without, like that sex is right up there with food and water. And because of that, I feel like we need to have a very robust conversation about that. I don't think brevity um, is the best way to go about it because this conversation does require some nuance and, um, and time. And so for those of you who listened, uh, who have been listening, you may remember that a few episodes back, I had a conversation with my friends about pornography, masturbation, and other kinds of sexual sins. Um, and it was caused hard for us too. And we had a part one and then we had a part too. And y'all, that conversation was really a turning point for me. Um, and in that episode, if you go back and listen to it, you may sense this, that I'm very much working out my thoughts and my feelings and even my theology, like in the midst of that episode, I'm interacting with new thoughts, new ideas, new concepts. And I'm not really that great of an exter- external processor. <laughs> and so you might have picked up on that a little bit. But I There was this one thing that my friend Portia said the night before um, we uh, recorded the episode that just kind of was coming back to me over and over in that episode and then even in the days following. And it was this idea that though we struggle with sin, we can rejoice because there are sins that we used to participate in that are now non-negotiable for us. Like there are things that we used to do that we, we don't do anymore and things that we wouldn't think of doing anymore and we need to stop and rejoice (laughs) in that and what Portia was trying to say was like yo y'all are like beating yourself up over the the things that y'all are struggling with right now and I'm not saying that those things don't need to be addressed but what I am saying is that like look at what God has been doing in your life since the day you said yes to him right and so for example there was once a time in my life where I wouldn't you know, I would not have given a sec- second thought to watching something that was sexually explicit, right? It was just like, that's just what TV is, you know? But now it's it's a non-negotiable for me. Like, I, it's not just that it's convicting for me. Like, it's it can sometimes be um, distasteful, you know, to me that I kind of have this ill in my spirit. This has been happening to me even around, like, music I listen to, like, in the past, like explicit content, cuss words, all of that, that, that stuff didn't, didn't bother me. But now I'm starting to see like, yo, these are the ways of the world, right? And, you know, in Psalms 1 where he says, you know, those who sit in the council of mockers, right? He's like, don't like, <laughs> like those who do that, they aren't like that tree planted by the water. Or even in Ephesians where he says, you know, 
you know, those who applaud like sinful behavior and crude uh, language and content, like that's like God is changing me. But like, yo, not two years ago, like, let's do it. I, I don't care. <laughs> you know, it's not that big of a deal. But now like something is changing in me. It's, it's like the Lord is changing and refining my taste buds. Yeah. So when Portia said this about, you know, there are things that we used to do that we wouldn't do anymore because they are non-negotiable for us. There were two things that happened within me. Um, the first thing was gratitude. Like I could immediately see that, yo, like God has been at work in me. And y'all, this is really important for, for me to see. It's really important for us to see, because I think we can be really hyper critical of ourselves. We, we look at our lives now and we look at where God is calling us, where God is seeking to take us. And we see this gap between where we are and where God wants us to be. And we become hypercritical of ourselves. We become uh, self-loathing. We become, you know, defeated as if like God hasn't been doing so much in our lives. Like today's starting point, where I am today is not where I was when I was 19 and I gave my life to Jesus. Like that girl and this girl are qualitatively <laughs> different because of the grace of God, because of God's faithfulness to uh, complete the work that he began in me. And like he is still in the process of completing that work. And so sometimes in the process of growth, we can we can focus so much on where we're trying to get that we can look over kind of what God has been doing in us. And y'all friends, that is something worth celebrating. Where you are today in relation to where you used to be is something worth celebrating. Yes, sure, we may not be where we want to be, but we're definitely not where we used to be. And like, not only does do we need to like be thankful for that, not only is that worthy of our gratitude, but it also is worthy of our hope. Like it gives me hope. It gives me hope because it helps me to see that like, yo, maybe three, five years from now, the things that I'm struggling with today, I won't be struggling with then that the things that are kind of negotiable, the sin struggles that I'm having, you know, like whether it's around sexual sin or gossip or lying or whatever, like whatever I'm struggling with, Right now, like I'm trusting that God's going to continue to work in me where gossiping is like a non-negotiable for me. Uh, masturbation is a non-negotiable for me. Finding my identity in pleasing other people or in over-functioning is a non-negotiable for me. I'm hoping, my prayer is that my 40, 45-year-old self <laughs> will be able to look back at my 38 self <laughs> and see growth see growth and y'all can trust this I can trust that in Christ I will continue to grow that as you know Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 3 that God will continue to work in me transforming me from one degree of glory to the next because y'all like that's God's commitment to us that's God's commitment to me that's God's commitment to you to change us I'm so thankful my, 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 <laughs> that we have a savior who came not just to save us from the wrath of God, but to also save us from our sinful nature. 
I love in Ephesians 2, man, where he says like, yo, we, though we were once dead in our sins, that Christ has now made us alive in Christ, that Christ has changed who we are from being these dead people who were unresponsive to God and his word and his ways to being these people who are now alive to God. And this gives me hope, hope that I will get to the places um, in my life where I'm not struggling with the same sin that I'm struggling with today. While I can't do much about being tempted, whether it be to gossip or whether it be uh, in the area of masturbation, what I can trust is that by God's grace, through the power of his spirit, like he's going to help me to get into a regular practice of denying myself, of denying my flesh when it wants to rise up and be irritable and fuss somebody out, like, or when, you know, temptation comes knocking on my door late at night, like that God's going to give me the grace to continue to say no to sin and to say yes to him. Which leads me to this second epiphany that I've uh, been working through over the last few months. Um, And it all started uh, once again, with this conversation that I had with my friends. Um, and so I want to invite you to listen to this clip of me doing my best to externally process some of the thoughts that were growing in me about dying to myself and how the temptations of Jesus was really starting to be instructive to me around that. I've been reading um, Matthew Uh, and Matthew chapter four, where Jesus is tempted by Satan. And it's just really interesting to me how Satan comes to him. He's like, yo, I know you hungry, bro. If you're the son of God, you know, make this, these, these little bits of stone turn into some bread. Right. And he's challenging him on his identity. And he's also challenging him on like pleasure you know meeting his his needs for food for comfort for sustenance and I think you know I love it when Jesus says like man should not live off of bread alone but but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and I'm realizing in those moments where the physical it's a physical temptation whereas Jesus is experiencing this physical temptation that I have to remember who I am but then also remember that I don't live off of getting my human needs met, um, but that I live off every word that comes out of the mouth of of God. Man, <laughs> it is really funny to listen back to that because I can tell that I'm in the very early stages of stringing together some thoughts and some ideas and some concepts and really trying to make sense of, of life <laughs> um, and sin and temptation and how to overcome, right? And not too much after that, I had a conversation with um, a mentor of mine and she was giving me some insight in regard to ministry and maybe some next steps that I... Uh, could take and before we got off the phone she was like hey so I got about 15 more minutes um before I have you know before I have to get off the phone is there anything else that you want to talk about and 
because I don't get to talk to her that much, I was like, let me find something <laughs> to talk about. And what pinged in my head was Matthew 4 and the temptations of of Jesus. And more specifically, that first temptation where Jesus is like, yo, like, man cannot live off of bread alone, right? And somewhere along the line of her kind of sharing with me some of her thoughts on the passage, she spoke about about how many people interpret that passage as Jesus being in a very vulnerable and weak state because he is gone without food for 40 days and 40 nights. But she flipped that. (laughs) She flipped that and was like, yo, like Jesus was not at his most vulnerable state. He was at his most powerful state. Um, she talked about how because Jesus had been practicing self-denial for the past 40 days and 40 nights, he was in a better position to say no when the devil's temptation uh, came knocking on his door, right? Jesus was alone and had been spending time in prayer and fasting. And it's through his prayer and his fasting, his self-denial, that he was in a position where he was ready to say no. He had already been saying no for 40 days. And so it wasn't going to be difficult for him to say it for one more. And y'all, when she said this, I was just like, what? (laughs) I've never heard that before. I've always heard it that Jesus was in a weak state. But no, you're saying Jesus was in a, a, a state of power. And it's got me to thinking about how maybe the reason why it's so difficult for me to say no to myself when I'm tempted in the areas of lust and sexual sin and just sin in general is because I'm not saying no to myself in any other area of my life. (laughs) Like I'm not practicing self-control or self-denial or anything in other er any other area of my life. And so why do I just think that I'm just going to be able to do it in this one area? And it reminded me of this truth that like this following Jesus thing is comprehensive. It's comprehensive. Like I can't just compromise or compartmentalize holiness and self-control to the realm of uh, sex and sexuality. Like, no, like my view of holiness needs to be much broader, much more holistic than that. Like my desire for and pursuit of holiness and self-control needs to include things like how I spend my money how I eat, how I spend my time, my speech. Like I need to wholly desire and pursue holiness and self-control. And so if I want to see myself grow in being able to say no to my flesh when temptation comes, like I need to be in a regular practice of saying no to myself and not just waiting for temptation to come in order for me to practice saying no, but like, like Paul says, like, I need to buffet my body. And so one of the books that I've been reading during this time is Live No Lies by John Mark Comer. And y'all, this book has blessed my life and is still blessing my life. I've finished it, but I've been going back to chapters and and reading it some more, just trying to, to glean uh, truth and then also just to apply these concepts and ideas Um, to my life. And one of the things that John Mark Comer talks about is like how, you know, when we're battling our flesh, uh, one of the things, one of the tools, the spiritual disciplines that we can employ is fasting, that fasting helps us 
to train our bodies and our hearts. It helps us to train our bodies by, you know, not allowing ourselves to be controlled by the desires and the cravings of our flesh so that we're not enslaved to, you know, the idol of instant gratification or the idol of pleasure, like to deny ourselves um, of things like, and then also we train our hearts because, you know, we, come to a place of understanding that like, yo, Jesus and his ways are better. So it trains our hearts to trust that we don't live off of bread or sex or gossip or lies or whatever else, but that we live off the very words that proceed from the mouth of God. And that's what is to give our lives energy and sustenance that living off God and his word and his ways, not people pleasing, not the acceptance of others, not getting our quote unquote needs met, but like being in the presence of God. That is where we we gain life and sustenance and and, and nutrition, if you will, um, from. And so that's a little bit about what I've been processing over these past few months. Um, but y'all, like I'm still very much in processing, you know, I'm still processing and I'm still working through it. I'm still praying. I'm still trying to put off, you know, over-functioning and self-denial. Like I have not denial. <laughs> my friends make fun of me because my St. Louis comes out when I say denial. Um, but <laughs> self-denial, um, I have not by any means mastered these things. I'm still very much in process, going to counseling, um, talking to trusted friends, practicing stillness and silence. Um, silence and solitude has been changing my life. It's been helping me to make space to hear from God. Um, and yeah, so I'm just, I'm still very much in process. So don't think I got this all figured out, but my prayer is that by faith, I would just continue to put one foot in front of the other. Um, trusting that God is going to lead me and guide me along the way. Yeah, so that's a little bit about what's been going on with me, what God has been working in and out of me. And I'll be honest with y'all, I feel like I'm living uh, Jesus's words in John 15, 1, where he says, you know, I am the vine. And my father is the gardener and uh, every branch, you know, that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it would bear even more fruit. And how be honest with y'all, the last time I read that, I was like, yo, like pick somebody else, <laughs> pick somebody else. Like I, I, I want to rest, you know, we've been bearing fruit for a long time and you know, when does the land get to rest? <laughs> um, and here's what God's been teaching me in that, that God is pruning me not to punish me, but God is pruning me because he loves me. He's pruning me because he wants to help me. He's pruning me because he's trying to lead me into paths of flourishing. And so, friend, like, God's not trying to ruin your life, you know. <laughs> he's not trying to control your life. And He's definitely not punishing you um, as he's pruning you. Like he is lovingly working 
in and out of you, um, the things that need to be worked in and out of you to bring about flourishing in your life. And so as we talk about sex and sexuality and sin and all the things, like my prayer is that we would open ourselves up to God's inspection, that we would allow him to search our hearts and test and know our anxious thoughts and uh, our grievous ways and all those things and that we would allow him to lead us into uh, the way of everlasting. And this is going to be key for us because, like, as I said before, like sex and sexuality, these are these are cultural idols um, for us. And in these next three episodes, we're going to be talking um, about same sex attraction and whether you are uh, a person who experiences same sex attraction or not, we know that there have been a lot of questions and feelings around this topic that many Christians, you know, once again, whether or not they, they experience same-sex attraction or not, they're, they're trying to discern what is good and what is true, what is God-honoring, God what is profitable. Like They're trying to discern those things. And though I would say that these next uh, few conversations primarily have those who uh, wrestle with same sex attraction in mind. This this conversation is really for all of us because we all are called to submit our sexuality to Christ, and we all need to know what we believe in regards to same sex attraction. And not only do we need to know what we believe, but we also need to know why we believe it. And whatever we believe, where wherever we come down on the issue whether we affirm it or we disaffirm it, um, we need to know how to best love and support those in our lives who are same-sex attracted. And this has become particularly important for me um, as I interact with people who are Christian and who are not Christian, who experience same-sex attraction, who identify as queer um, and are somewhere on, you know, the spectrum of LGBTQIA plus community. Um, and my desire is to know how to love and to support them uh, in a way that honors the Lord, even though my position, as I've stated before, is that God's design for marriage and God's design for sex uh, is to be between a man and a female. However, as we enter into these conversations, I want to really clarify what these episodes are about and what they're not about. Like, they're not for theological debate. Like, I feel like I set the stage in the first few episodes just kind of stating um, how I am convicted from Scripture. And so this is an invitation to folks who are convicted in a similar way um, that are either experiencing same-sex attraction or who have people in their life who are experiencing same-sex attraction. This is a, a conversation to encourage them in their walk with Christ. Um, and so this is not a apologetic discourse. <laughs> We're not going to sift through all the passages in the Bible um, and give an ar argument, you know, for or against a particular perspective. Um, even though these things are helpful, um, that's not what I want to do here. I've done it in other places. Uh, for example, Courageous Conversations, uh, Chapter 6, like 
I address sort of uh, the position that I have on it and why I have landed there while also talking about how I'm also convicted to interact with people of this community in a particular kind of way. And so we're not going to do the the theology (laughs) and the arguments and all of that here, but what we are going to do is in these next few episodes, we're going to cast vision. We're going to cast vision to those who are same-sex attracted and are convinced that acting on their same-sex attraction is a deviation from God's plan for sex and humanity. I want them to know, I want us all to know what is possible, right? Um, As we hear from friends of mine who are same-sex attracted, but who have decided um, to not uh, allow themselves to be controlled by this sexual desire, um, but instead to follow Christ and the ways in which he has prescribed for us to live. And I want them also to know that their same-sex attraction is not an obstacle to Christ. Like same-sex attraction is not an obstacle (laughs) to Christ. I had uh, someone come up to me the other day and ask like, yo, Yana, can I be same-sex attracted and Christian? And they weren't asking like, can I be same-sex attracted and practice uh, same, you know, a homosexual lifestyle or a queer lifestyle and then still uh, follow Jesus. They weren't, they weren't asking that. They were just like, yo, like I'm experiencing same-sex attraction and I feel guilt about that, but I want to follow Jesus and his ways and his teachings on sex. Like, is that, is that even possible? Like, or does being same-sex attraction disqualify me from being in relationship with Christ? Yo, like, why does somebody even have to ask that question? (laughs) You know, somebody has to ask that question because we as a church have, have handled this conversation poorly. And I'm not saying that I'm going to handle it (laughs) perfectly. Um, I, I, I just hope, I hope I just do, do better. (laughs) You know, um, I hope, I, I hope that people who are same sex attracted seems feel seen and loved and heard. Um, And when we're talking about singleness, I know that for many of them that in their following of Jesus, the cross that they will have to pick up and bear is a life of singleness. And even though, you know, I know that singleness is a gift, I know that, you know, singleness hits a little bit different when it's not an option because you're not attracted to someone of the opposite sex. And so... In this next episode, you're going to hear very little from me and you're going to hear from a few friends of mine who have volunteered to share their stories. And y'all, I just want y'all to listen. I just want y'all to listen. I want you to listen to their stories. Um, And my prayer is that you see not just how they're following Jesus as people who experience same-sex attraction, but that you would just see how they are just following Jesus. Um, And I pray that you would be encouraged by them um, in the same ways that I've been encouraged by them. So, friends, it's been good catching up with you, and let's get it.